Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. Have you ever read a book that you just couldn't put down? A true story filled with intrigue, personal situations, investigation, and details you were never aware of? I recently finished such a book that happens to have been written by a dear friend, which makes it even more interesting. And we have him here with us today in the studio. I can't wait for you to hear what he has to tell us about his book and about what's going on in the world. So we say, welcome, Dr. Mark Christian, or should I say, Muhammad Abdullah. Mark Christian, previously Muhammad Abdullah, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be with you today. It's an honor to have you here. The title of your book is The Apostate, My Search for Truth by Dr. Mark Christian. He's no stranger to us because we have had him on the show several times before, but this is different because he has his book to talk about as well as everything that's going on. And we're also blessed to have with us, as always, our wonderful, gifted co-host, Jackie Sailors. Mark, it's so great to have you back in the studio, and we are so excited about your book and all the other things that we can talk to you about today. But Debbie talked about when she was reading this book, she could not put it down. And I thought, that's interesting. I would like to get a copy of that book. In the meantime, I wasn't able to get a hard copy, but I had an Audible credit I could use, and so I listened to it. And when I listened to it, I couldn't put my phone down. I was listening to it throughout the house and everything I was doing. It is a wonderful, wonderful book and I'm excited that you're going to get a chance to talk about it today. Praise God for uh, those kind words, and I really uh, was hoping and praying that the book would be able to uh, reach people, and and I made myself vulnerable in the book, as you can mm-hmm. see and read. The reason for doing that is really I want to educate people about the cultures. I have seen a lot of confusion, lots of misunderstanding about things about the Middle East and Islamic uh, religion and, and the difference between Islam and Christianity that uh, I tried my best to, to summarize things up and to people to so they can understand in a better way. Well, as I introduced you at the beginning of the show as Muhammad Abdullah, I found out in the book that was your original name. I often wondered how you came up with the name Dr. Mark Christian. Well, doctor is because I went to medical school. (laughs) 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 Muhammad Abdullah, I have to go back a little bit. So, you know, Muhammad Abdullah by itself, Muhammad is the founder of Islam. And Abdullah means the slave of Allah. Because Islam is a religion that calls people to be enslaved to Allah and to submit themselves as slave to Allah as their master. A simple answer is when you start finding your freedom in Christ, it's very hard to live with that name. In the United States of America, you have the freedom to change your name. As soon as I got to the United States, I took advantage of that. And I went to the court and I did that legally, not out of fear. Some people think that I changed my name because I want to be discreet or something. None of that. I I choose that name because it represents who I am. Name Mark, I try to find uh, a name that I identify with. I choose the name Mark for two reasons. Number one is the very first pastor at a Lutheran church that I walked in that agreed to meet with me because I was having a very hard time finding pastors to meet with me. His name was Mark Seams, and this is why I adopted the name Mark. Another thing is actually the, the apostle that founded the Christian church in Egypt was Apostle Mark. The Egyptian church never opened their doors for me out of fear and out of intimidation, out of many things. But I still adopted that name because of those two reasons. Christian is, I was trying to find the last name 
many people, you know, were good friends at that time, wanted to give me their last name. But I found that I belong to the Christian family at large. So this is why I chose the name Christian. It's a great name, and I'm glad you chose that because it does show the difference because you are no longer a slave to Allah. You are a follower of Jesus Christ, which is what Christian is. So your last name truly says what happened in your life. Now, the book is really your biography of what happened from growing up until you had questions about Islam. Just give us a little background of your growing up years and your relation to Allah and Islam. I had an interesting upbringing. The reason I mentioned my life, because I thought this is going to be the best educating tool so people can live with me to know what is the in and outs of Muslim life looks like. And I made the comparison between me and others as well, my cousins and others, to understand the difference between what kind of Muslim I was and what other Muslims do as well. My background is uh, is kind of a little bit unique because the dynamic between my mother and my dad is interesting by itself because you have two people who are coming from a different backgrounds and different walks. In, in when it comes to adherence to Islamic teachings. But at the same time, you know, I showed the the, uh, the influence of a very strong Muslim on my mother, which is my dad on my mother, and how he was able to change her to be of his likeness very quickly and condemn her into becoming a better Muslim. And then my itself, growing up to a dad who is very successful, very dedicated, very driven, very Islamic inside out, related to the Muslim Brotherhood organization, it shows you all all the dynamics of all of that stuff and how that kind of brought the person that I am today and how I learned things. By 12 years old, I was already memorized enough of the Quran, which is a scripture of Islam, to lead Muslims into prayers and to make the call of prayers at mosques, to be to a dad that he built the three major mosques in Cairo, that he built nine Islamic great schools from kindergarten all the way to high school, teaching Islamic teachings to a father that leads a mosque of 3,000 people at least uh, every week, that we go to on a regular basis at least four or five times. This has kind of all played a big role into who I, I am today and who I was growing up. It's so interesting in your book because you were a strong Muslim, a Muslim imam even at one point, and you've done all the things that you mentioned. And yet at some point, we'll hear later, you turned your life around to Jesus Christ. And yet you didn't write the book in a negative way. It's really written in a very positive way way as to how you grew up and all the great things that you experienced and the opportunities you had to know Allah and to grow in Islam. Your desire isn't to put Islam down, it's to give facts and information about Islam that will then show us as Christians the difference between Islam and Christianity. I really appreciated that a positive approach to explaining the differences between the two cultures and the two religious beliefs, rather than the negative putting down. And why did you do that? I am inspired by two things uh, when I'm writing this book. Number one is I was a Muslim, and Muslims are my people. They are my family. They are my cousins and my everything. I, I love them dearly, and I don't see Muslims are the enemy. There is one enemy in this world, and this is the devil. The rest of human beings are being created in the likeness of God, created in the image of God. God loves them equally like he loves me, and he wants them to be saved like he saved me. So the second inspiration, it is Jesus Christ. You know, even though Muslims will mock and do not agree that we are created in the likeness of God, 
the fact of the matter is the Bible says that all of us, Muslims and Jews and Gentiles and everybody, following that example makes me feel like I want to imitate how Jesus would look at Muslims, even though Islam did not exist at the time of Jesus. But Jesus talked about the sinners and those who are following false prophets and and those who are going astray. Actually, you feel sorry for Muslims because they live on a daily basis under the heavy weight of sin. They will never be good enough to go to heaven directly, that they will be punished for some time in hell. Everything they do is going to be wrong in some way, somehow. Even the prayers, you know, it is loaded with rules and regulations that there is no one can do it perfectly. So they are under that heavy weight of sin all the time. I feel sorry for them, and I look at them the same way that I would think Jesus would look at them. I believe Jesus would look at them with tear eyes and a broken heart for their enslavement into a false teachings and false religion and he would want them to be saved like he saved me and this is why uh, throughout the book I love Muslims I care about them dearly my hope that they will identify with my story and encourage them to follow their instinct and follow their hearts and examine their own beliefs because here is the end at the end of the day all of us will come in front of our creator all of us will gonna be asked about what did we do in this life and what did we do with the information that we have? And actually, even in the Quran itself, it says that if we go in front of our creator and tell him, hey, we did this or believe this because we followed our elders or our religious leaders, God will uh, not accept that as an answer and will test, test us. That was a teaching or a concept that actually led me to examine my own teachings and my own beliefs and my own elders and my own religion and my own everything so to come to the truth. I'm asking Muslims to do the same. Let us examine what we believe so when we come in front of our Creator, we will be able to be representing the truth, not the lies that has been pushed down our throat by our elders or by our religious leaders. So that's why the title of your book is The Apostate, My Search for Truth by Dr. Mark Christian. Is that why you wrote it, so that other people would search for the truth? Absolutely. The truth will set us free. Only the truth will set us, all of us, free. Lies and deception are the marks of the beast and marks of the devil, and this is the enemy. The enemy is the deception and the lies. The truth is the only thing that will set us all free. What I really did notice in this story, and it is a story that unfolds, it starts out very dramatically in the first chapter, and then it unfolds in such a loving way. When you talk about Islam and and the people in your family and the people in the country that you grew up in, it is loving. The unfolding of your search for truth seems to come from your desire to become a better Muslim and to really get closer and closer to Allah and to be able to share that with people. It reminds me of Jeremiah 29, 13, where it says, and you will seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. So you were searching for truth the whole time you were a Muslim and wanting to share that. You get to a point where your father tells you a story about being on a train with someone in Europe who challenges his faith, and you decide that this is your calling to explain Islam to people who don't understand it and would be rejecting it. And so you go into your search to validate Islam to other people, and you start searching and finding Christ. How did you come to that conclusion? 
Can you imagine that this man, that I have no idea how he looks like or what his name is, but this man on a train met my dad for maybe half an hour in Brussels in a country that I did not visit at that time. And he planted a seed in a heart of a young man in Cairo, Egypt, that he never met. And that was the reason that I am today as a Christian. This is, this is how much the truth is so powerful. How much when we take it upon ourselves to be vocal and to be courageous and to ask the right questions, that we can actually make a big difference in the world that we live in. This man saved me when I was thousands of miles away from him. Another thing is, I am happy, I'm blessed, but to search for the truth, there is a lot of price you're going to pay. And things are not always being dandy and always good. When the opening of the book this was an incident that really put a scar, literally a scar in my life. But when I look at it from a pastor perspective, it is only by the grace of God that I was saved and I'm alive today. Because the chances of me dead today was way more than even getting out of that place alive. I was supposed to be dead and the plan was to get me dead and, and the plan was done very well, but it was a small thing that is completely not the norm that took place when I tripped on that carpet in the front of the place, a carpet that I walked over since I was a kid. So it's not like a, a new something in my way that I didn't know it exists. That it shows how God is in full control of everything in our life. Mark, you mentioned that story, and there's another story right after it at the very beginning of the book, both of which are heart-wrenching. And I don't even want you to tell the full story because I want people to buy the book and read it. When you read those stories, you can't put the book down afterwards because you're so enthralled with what this religious system causes people to do in order to please Allah. And that brings me to one of the comments you made in your book was about works. We, of course, as Christians, follow Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, and not as a result of works that no man should boast. So we are saved by believing in Jesus Christ, not our works. But clearly in your book, what you say is that if you mess up, the only way to pay the price for sin is through works. You also say there's something called taba, which is contrition and hard work lead to redemption. The way I read it is Muslims believe that their works are what will get them eventually to heaven. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely true. And here is the thing, actually. Everything in life, in our human life, confirm that. We study hard to pass exam. We work hard to make money. If we do not do the work we're not going to get things done and accomplished. So it is kind of in tune in our minds that this is a normal way to do it. And this is why the message of Jesus Christ was completely revolutionary. And it shows that God does not work with our own rules. God is God and we are human beings. And he is trying to teach us that we are not going to be saved by our works. And there is so much important kind of message into that. When we work, we earn things so it becomes ours. So in Islam, you work hard. You know, my dad did not build the three mosques and put millions of dollars out of his own earnings. 
into building schools and mosques because he likes to do that. No, he did this because he's going to earn a place in heaven. Islam teaches even if you spend your own money and build a mosque, then Allah will reward you by building you a castle in heaven. So he wanted to have three castles for himself in heaven. It's all about give and take. Hard work will be represented. When I start following Jesus Christ and give my life to him, it clicked with me all of a sudden that God rules is different because there is nothing in my ability that I can do or work for or pay that I can have a place of heaven because I cannot earn it. I cannot go to God and say, hey God, show me where is my castle because I earn it, it is mine. Heaven is God's creation, it is a God reward, not something that I can earn by my own efforts and my work. This is when the idea of Jesus and Jesus' teachings start clicking with me, which is different from my humanly rulings and the way I, we think as humans. Then there's another thing that intrigued me, and you mentioned it earlier in the show when you said that your mother was condemned to be a better Muslim by your father. We see in one of your statements, you said, after Allah broke your father, and that was the story of your father's real tragedy that happened in his life, you went on to say, his eyes were open to the power of an angry God who demanded submission or else. So do you see Allah as angry or demanding or critical? And along with that, with what you also just said, is he a God that decides whether you're going to make it to heaven or not, even if you've done all those good works? I want to say many things. Behind every religious Muslim is a story of brokenness and complete submission. And behind every story of a Christian is grace and love and that is the difference between Islam and Christianity. This is, this is where the difference between Jesus and Muhammad. Muhammad talked about God, who is a very judgmental God. He is relentless in asking for complete and full submission, not in a brotherhood or a, or a, or a sonhood or a daughterhood to God, but actually a slave to a master. That master is very demanding and very judgmental. He does not forgive. If you do a mistake, you have to show 10 times good that he will at least forgive you a little bit. And some, some mistakes will never be forgiven. You have to pay your debt to Allah so he can let it go. For Jesus, it is by faith. It is by following him, by understanding that everything is a gift from God. So this is the difference between the two. It's, it's completely different views of God according to the Bible and God according to the Quran. Two different ideas of God that they cannot ever be the same whatsoever. It is not by the names that we can identify God. It's actually by his attributes. And it's very clear when we are talking about God who is not uh, easily easy forgiving or a very judgmental God or a God who is loving and caring and, and he loves us as a, as a very caring mother loves their children. We've been visiting today with Dr. Mark Christian, who has just written a book called The Apostate, My Search for Truth. There's an incident in the book where you, as a child, received a very severe punishment from your father, which led you to understand that you needed to be obedient and submissive. And that kind of led you on your way to your devotion to do your very, very best as a young Muslim. And yet, when you went to English school, 
you had religion classes where some of the kids went to the Christian religion class and some went to the Muslim religion class, and you were very, very curious about your friend who went down to the Christian religion class. And you peeked in the door one time because you were curious to see, and there were three words written on the blackboard that really influenced you that came up again towards the end of the book. What were those words, and what it, did it mean to you to read those? God is love. Those are the most intriguing words in my life, actually. When I first saw them on that board that day, they put a mark in my mind, very vivid till today. When I close my eyes like that, I can remember exactly how the board looks like, the lighting of the room, the decorations, everything in that room. That kind of message haunted me all my life. When I came to the United States even, and I met the first Christian man, when I was trying to find somebody that can help me out to know more about Jesus, the first question, why do you want to become a Christian? The first thing came to my mouth is, because God is love. That is intriguing. The first time I saw that word on the, on the board, I rejected it with all my heart and mind and everything else. It was intriguing. I loved it. It was amazing. But then very quickly, I remembered that there is no way that this is true. This is too way too much to be true. And actually, it is blasphemy, according to Islam. To look at this and say God is love, God is not love. Love is weakness. Love is, is an emotion that no way that the judgmental, powerful, almighty God will have to his slaves. How, how a master can love his, his slave? That's not going to happen. And I rejected it. But can you imagine intrigued by it so much that in one of my darkest moments in life, uh, many years later on when I was in back of that ambulance, in all the pain and all the sufferings I was going, and all the mixed emotions. And in the back of an ambulance, I saw nothing other than that statement, the back of that ambulance. It's all of a sudden as if there was a miraculous transformation that all the sounds, everything is stopped, and it is just like out-of-body kind of uh, experience, and you see that around you. And this is what overwhelmed me to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Mark, that's the opposite of what we see in the book about Islam. One of the comments that you write is that Muhammad told us it is lawful for a man to lie to his wife. In the same hadith, he says it's lawful to lie to non-Muslims. So where Jesus is love, Muslims lie. And lying to other people is opposite of love. So I see a lot of differences as I read this book between Islam and Christianity. And I think those are important differences for people to read. I wish you understand from that other thing too, that Muslims believe, as the Quran teaches, that Muslims become superior human beings the minute that they become Muslims. To Muslims are brotherhood and sisterhood, but Muslims are not supposed to be treating others in that kind of brotherly or sisterlyhood with non-Muslims. In Islam teaches that Muslims are full human beings. Everybody else who is not a Muslim is not a full human being and can be treated in any way, shape, or form, and there are some rules for that. So that means what? Lying in Islam is forbidden, but is only forbidden to another equal human being. But when a Muslim is lying to a non-Muslim, is not even considered a sin because you are not lying to an individual or not a human being. And that is a very important concept to understand that when even the Quran says that if you kill one human being as if you are killed all humanity, well, human beings are only Muslims. Humanity are all Muslims. The non-Muslims are not covered by that verse in the Quran because 
they are not human beings and not humanity. Those concepts I wish people understand very well because they are very important. They are the rules that guide Muslim lives. Okay, then I've got a question. I'm a non-Muslim. So if I talk to a Muslim and they tell me something, I don't know if they're lying to me or not. Also, if I were to get into an agreement of a, for business with a Muslim, then I wouldn't know if what they're signing is going to be truthful. And then finally, if we have a Muslim who's in our United States Congress, for example, how do we know that what they say to get elected is going to happen when most of their constituents are non-Muslims? You are absolutely right. Muslims are human beings who are trying to be honest, but in many cases, if the statements is going to better the Muslim life, yes, they are flexible not to tell the truth. Mark, one of the things that you wrote about in your book really struck me because it is absolutely the opposite of what the Bible says. You say in the book that Allah promised if you bow before him in total submission, he will show you the kingdoms of the world in all their splendor. Well, right there it tells me that Allah's focus is on the kingdoms of the world, whereas God's is on the eternal kingdom in heaven. But then you went on to say that according to the Muslim beliefs, Jesus was promised those kingdoms, but he refused. Muhammad willingly and proudly accepted that challenge. And I think, wait a minute, it was Satan who gave that challenge to Jesus, and Jesus rejected it because he always says, my kingdom is not of this world. And yet Muhammad accepted that. Explain to me how you understand Muhammad's decision and what that means about Allah. I'm glad that you picked on that. Actually, not everybody is going to pick on that statement and what I was trying to make people understand from that statement. I'm going to walk you into two things. When I was a Muslim and reading this, I found that this is an amazing thing, that God is offering the splendors of earth, all of it, all the kingdoms of earth, the whole planet, as a property to Muhammad and to his followers after him. And this is what the caliphate system is all about, that Muslims will inherit the whole earth at some point in time. And the promise that day of judgment will never come until the whole planet becomes property of Muslims and the flag of Islam will rise. So I find this is very promising as a Muslim. And then later on, when I start walking in, in my walk as a Christian, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I start reading in the Bible, and I see Jesus in the 40 days, and then the temptation by, by the devil for three times, and I read all of it when he was hungry and thirsty and tired, and the devil came to him and tried to offer him different things. And it struck me the most, all the story is amazing, and I'm learning from all of it, but it just all of a sudden boom in my face. This is Satan offering the splendors of earth to Jesus. And Jesus says, not by bread only we live. So we should not even worry about the splendors. We should not care about the, the possessions and the earth and the planet and all those materialistic things because those from an earthly perspective, what we need to do is inherit heaven. That struck me. All of a sudden, I start making the comparison between the two. I actually had to go back and dig to find the hadith exactly, because, and I start making the comparison. And you're absolutely right. According to Islam, Muhammad has said that Allah coming to him and says, if you bow down to me, I will give you the splendors of earth. And the Bible says, Jesus was offered the same way, but the devil himself, and Jesus said, no, I don't care about earthly things. Make your judgment and see which God you want to follow. A God will offer you a planet that will end at some time or heaven that is eternal. That's why you have to read this book. 
Mark Christian's book, The Apostate, My Search for Truth, because in it there are several things that you will notice as a Christian that are different in Islamic beliefs than we have in Christianity. And that will show you just a glimpse of how different these two religions are. We do not follow the same God. I think you'll catch a lot of that in the book. We've been visiting today with Dr. Mark Christian, who has just written a book called The Apostate, My Search for Truth, really talking about his growth in Islam and how God changed his heart by his searching for the truth in Islam to bring him to Christianity. It's a fabulous book. Everyone I've talked to that's read it absolutely loves it. They can get the books on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, anyplace else. Anywhere you can buy books, you'll find it. But you can go to our website as well, Global Faith, and you will find links on our website uh, where the book is sold in your area. And your website is? Theglobalfaith.org. Thank you very much. We're so glad to have you here, Mark. It's great to see you. We're going to have to continue this next week because we didn't get into any current events. So uh, stay tuned for next week, and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.